بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العالم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. MashaAllah. I welcome you all, brothers and sisters, to our latest session in this series surrounding the book Zad al Ma'ad or Provisions for the Hereafter, uh, or in particular the summarized version uh, of this particular book. Walillahi uh, alhamd, we completed. An introduction to this particular session, and we completed uh, two more sessions after that, uh, that we titled session one and session two after the introduction. And today, inshallah, um, we will have bi'idnillahi ta'ala session three. Now, uh, this session is happening at this particular time uh, because of my travel to uh, Dubai this Saturday uh, to teach a course. Uh, there on Islamic morals, manners and etiquette. It's a two-day course. Um, and I wanted to keep the momentum going with this particular program, especially since our weeks are limited, um, given that Ramadan is fast approaching and the summer holidays here in Saudi Arabia are fast approaching as well. Um, and thus I have asked that we uh, conduct this lesson today. So Jazakumullah khairan for all those who have attended. And for those who haven't, uh, especially those uh, towards the east of the globe, um, I know how late it is, then uh, alhamdulillah, uh, we are recording this session. Uh, and inshallah, uh, you will have the session uh, with you, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Uh, obviously, those who will listen to the recording then will hear me saying these words. Uh, these words are especially for you, my dear brothers and sisters, towards the east of the globe and inshallah Allah will make the recording a success. All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we seek His assistance and we seek His forgiveness and we seek His divine guidance. And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of our souls and the adverse consequences of our deeds. Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees guidance upon the none can misguide him. And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees misguidance upon, then none can guide him. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, in our last session we were continuing um, with the introduction uh, of Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, and... Um, a discussion surrounding uh, differences in the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Differences in terms of rank, in terms of honor, in terms of precedence. Uh, even though um, the matters being discussed, or a group of the matters discussed are made up of uh, you know, similar uh, elements, right? Uh, but even though they share similar ele- uh, elements, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has raised uh, certain parts um, of His creation over others. Inshallah, we want to continue uh, with this particular <coughs> uh, discussion uh, and complete the introduction, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Now, I promised you that 
we will continue uh, today um, discussing time and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed certain parts of time over other parts of time. And um, to kick off matters here, um, let's talk about the best day of the year first and foremost. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the days of the year. And the days of the year in terms of the natural matters pertaining to the days of the year, um, then these natural matters are the same. The sun rises and the sun sets and the day has 24 hours and the days are prone to different climatic uh, situations, circumstances and scenarios, right? If it's uh, winter, then the days will have cold, uh, colder days. And if it's summer, then uh, the days will have warmer days. And if um, it's winter, then we'll have uh, shorter hours in terms of daylight hours. And if it's uh, summer, uh, then we'll have longer uh, daylight hours. So in terms of these elements, these elements apply uh, to the days that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. Now, if we look at our sharia and our sharia's discussion of the days that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created these days and given a special precedence and rank and honor to one day over the rest of the days. And um, this day is known as Yom Al-Hajj Al-Akbar. Yom Al-Hajj uh, Al-Akbar. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this day in Surah At-Tawbah. Yom Al-Hajj Al-Akbar. Uh, in the 10th Juz. And the scholars have two opinions regarding which is uh, Yom Al-Hajj Al-Akbar. The first day, uh, or the first opinion is that Yom Al-Hajj Al-Akbar, or the best day of the year, is the 10th day of Dhul-Hijjah. The 10th day of Dhul-Hijjah. And this day is known as Yom Al-Nahr. Yom Al-Nahr. We know that the 8th of Dhul-Hijjah is known as uh, Yom Al-Tarwiyah. And the 9th of uh, uh, Dhul-Hijjah is known as Yom Arafah. And uh, the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah is known as Yom Al-Nahr. And then the days after Yom Al-Nahr is, is known or are known as uh, Ayyam Al-Tashriq, the days of Tashriq, the days of Tashriq. And there's, there's, uh, the, the scholars have um, given some wisdoms as to why uh, these days are named uh, with these particular terminologies. So the 8th of Dhul-Hijjah, known as Yom uh, At-Tarwiyah. If, if, if one of the admin... Um, is quick with the whiteboard. I don't mind uh, the whiteboard being used um, to jot down these notes for the benefit of everybody else. Um, if Sister Dakira or um, our family from Darul Ilm or Brother Hisham, anyone who is able, then uh, please uh, use the whiteboard for the benefit of, of, of the majority. Jazakumullah khairan. So we have the 8th of Dhul Hijjah known as Yom Tarwiyah. And the scholars say the reason why it's called Yawm Tarwiyah is because on this day the Hujjaj would prepare for Hajj. And uh, a long time ago, you know, the, the, the Hajj places or the places of Hajj, they were not as established as they are now. 
these places were not as established as they are now. Now we have sewage systems. Uh, you switch on a tap and water comes out. So, you know, there's, there's uh, drainage. There's, um, you know, water tanks and water pumps and taps. And not just, you know, this. We even have hot water and cold water. Alhamdulillah. Um, it's very advanced now. But before it wasn't like this. And also now we have uh, trains, mashallah, as many of you have uh, seen on the television or for those who've been for Hajj recently, the last few years, uh, there's trains. And for those who've been a few years back, then we have uh, buses, you know, and vehicles. Um, uh, Buses and uh, vehicles. So movement from place to place uh, was you know, now is pretty easy, but back in the day, uh, it wasn't that easy. It would take them a long time to go from uh, Mecca to Mina, then Mina to um, to Arafah, and then Arafah to Muzdalifah, and then Muzdalifah uh, back to the place uh, or, or to, to 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 the place where they pelt uh, the Jamarat, and so on and so forth. Um, so they would prepare on the 8th of Dhul Hijjah. This day is known as Yom at tarwiyah I'll go through these names. I see the questions popping up um, for me to repeat uh, these names. So uh, let's go through them one by one. We have the 8th of Dhul Hijjah known as Yom at tarwiyah Yom tarwiyah Yom at tarwiyah uh, And the reason why it's called this is because it is the day of preparation for Hajj. Now why tarwiyah Well... This, you know, tarwiyah carries uh, a meaning related to the gathering of water. The gathering of water and provisions. And the main provision for the hajj was water. The camels had to drink, um, you know, the, you know the, the share that the camels would need. Because we know the camels are considered the, the ships of the desert. You know, Allah has blessed the ummah with the creation of the camel. Right, the camel has been created with with feet that uh, are webbed that don't allow it to sink. Right, uh, irrespective of the weight of the camel, a camel is a, is, is 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 heavy. And then don't forget the carry the camel carries heavy um, goods and merchandise, and it carries people. Right, and, and and before the camel was you know what you and I might call today our jumbo jet or triple seven. Right, or our A380. You know, they would actually erect a structure on top of the camel to house the females for the long journeys. Right, known as a hodaj, a hodaj. Uh, so the camels would carry heavy things. Uh, but Subhanallah, Allah created the camel with these webbed feet, so that the camel doesn't sink in the soft sand of the desert. And Allah padded the feet, so that the feet would not suffer. Walking on top of the heated sand of the desert, right? I know this is a is a is a bit of a footnote discussion, but nonetheless, we're talking about you know how the Hujjaj would prepare the camels for Hajj, and Allah says in His book, "Afala yanduruna ilal ibil, That have you not looked at the camel and the way Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has created it, right? Have you not looked at the camel? Have you not pondered over the camel? And the way Allah created it. And how it's able to walk the deserts for days without water. When you and I as human beings cannot manage this. How it is capable of walking on the hot desert sand. And walking through the hot desert sandstorms. 
right? And walking under the hot desert sand, uh, sun, the hot desert sun, for days, right? Uh, having the ability to store water, and for the water to run in a process and system created by Allah to the benefit of the animal, that the animal continues to be a form of benefit for the for for its owner. So. Uh, the the hujjaj would prepare this camel and the camels would drink and drink and drink and become full. And the hujjaj also would fill their uh, leather cases, uh, the leather cases specific to water and any other containers that they would have uh, with water and uh, load, uh, you know, the respected provisions uh, for this amazing journey. The Hajj journey. And not to forget, brothers and sisters, that you know, before the Hujjaj, when they were coming for Hajj, it wasn't just a plane ride. Right? Uh, we're talking about uh, 8 hours or 10 hours or 15 hours, right? Plane journey. No. We're talking about, you know, just Medina to Mecca, they, 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 they are traveling for a month or more. Right? Now imagine if you leave Medina. The Miqat in Medina is very, you know, close uh, in terms of um, the traveler and the traveler's departure from Medina, right? As soon as you leave Medina, very quickly you'll cross the Miqat. And in that Miqat you have to wear the Ihram and put yourself into the state of Ihram. And announce the Talbiyah and intention for, for Hajj or Umrah. Now imagine you traveling for a month in this sacred state or holy state right with the prohibitions of ihram right until you uh, finish the umrah if you're performing the hajj known as tamattu' right so they would be in ihram for a long time today you and i go for hajj subhanallah just you know the few days of hajj wearing the ihram for 3 or 4 days subhanallah uh, <laughs> it's 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 something that we 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 consider great so they would prepare for Hajj, and these camels would bring them in uh, from their various locations. And then they would prepare these camels for the Hajj. So Yawm Tarwiyah is that day of gathering the water and uh, provisions for Hajj. Then we have the ninth of Dhul Hijjah known as Yawm Al-Arafah. Yawm Al-Arafah. And, and, and Yawm Al-Arafah is called that because it is the day that the people stand on the plains of Arafah. And then we have the 10th of Dhul Hijjah, on the whiteboard uh, you've missed the 9th, Barakallahu Fikum. Uh, so there we go, the 9th of Dhul Hijjah. Then we have um, the 10th of Dhul Hijjah known as Yawm Al-Nahr, the day of sacrifice, because on the 10th is when the, 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 the pilgrim uh, sacrifices the sacrifice for Hajj. The sacrifice for Hajj and the non-pilgrims uh, sacrifice that known as the Udhiyah. Right, which was a practice of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in Medina. Uh, he, every um, uh, Eid uh, al-Adha, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would observe the Udhiyah. So there's a sacrifice uh, that happens on the tenth, and and obviously for the non-pilgrims, this is known as the day of Eid, Eid al-Adha. So this is why it's called Yawm al-Nahr, the day of sacrifice. And then we have the days of Tashriq. The days of Tashriq have been called this because this is when the meat of the animal sacrificed have been uh, cleaned and cut into their respected pieces and uh, left to dry. You know, the sun, they would use the sun to dry up uh, the blood uh, and the liquids, um, you know, that 
accompany the meat when an animal is slaughtered. So um, these days were called tashriq because uh, it refers to um, the process of drying the meat of the, of, of, of the sacrificed animals. Now, our discussion is, you know, which is the best day of the year? And um, as I said earlier, it's Yom Al-Hajj Al-Akbar. Now the scholars have differed. Uh, which is Yom Al-Hajj Al-Akbar? Is it the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah or is it the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah? These are two opinions of the scholars, Rahmatullahi Alayhim. Um, the first opinion, uh, or the opinion being that it's uh, the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah. Yom Al-Nahr. Yom uh, Al-Nahr. This is uh, the first view of uh, the scholars. And they have the evidence. And the second view of the scholars is that it is Yom Arafah. And this is the view, view of the companions of Imam Shafi'i. Rahmatullahi alayhim jami'an. So there's two views. Now before we go into these views, I want to show you um, another piece of information pertaining to why these days of Hajj are known as... Um, or, 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 you know, why these days of Hajj have these specific names. I actually came across this um, in the notes of um, one of, or in the notes of the actual uh, corrector uh, and reviser of a book known as Arawd al-Murbi' which is uh, a Hanbali uh, book. Arawd al-Murbi' which is a Hanbali fiqh book and um, one of the amazing um, contem- we, we would call him contemporary imams, even though he's passed away. Uh, Rahmatullahi Ali Ibn Al Qasim. Ibn Al Qasim. He has great work uh, pertaining to uh, this particular book. And in in, uh, in 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 terms of the book's notes, when he comes across the section on the days of Hajj and why they've been named the days of Hajj, he goes on to say, Rahimahullah, that the eighth of Dhul Hijjah, or some of the scholars say that the eighth of Dhul Hijjah is known as Yom At Tarwiyah. Because Tarwiyah comes from Rawa Yurawi Tarwiyatan. We know that the Arabic language is, is uh, or a large portion of it is, 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 or has terminologies that are known as derivatives, they're derived terms. So, so uh, as you can see in terms of the uh, mechanical um, makeup. Of the, of the terms that I just re, uh, said to you, you'd see that they are similar but they're pronounced differently. Rawa. Right, they have similar letters. Rawa yurawi tarwiyatan, and that's tarwiya. So, what does rawa mean, or what does tarwiya in the context of rawa yurawi tarwiyatan mean? Some of the scholars said that this refers to the process of you know playing something back in your mind whilst contemplating over it. Right, this is what rawa yurawi tarwiyatan refers to. It refers to playing something back uh, in your mind. Um, and pondering over it until an understanding develops. And they say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed Ibrahim alayhi salam in his dream. Um, him slaughtering his son. And it was on this eighth that Ibrahim alayhi salam truly pondered over the dreams that he kept on seeing uh, and understanding them. Uh, or, or attempting to understand them. Attempting to understand them. And then... On the 9th of Dhul Hijjah, Yom Al Arafah, right? Uh, this was the day that he understood what the dreams meant and that it was revelation and that he had to uh, sacrifice his son. Now, Arafah, 
in the Arabic language also carries this meaning of understanding something. Right? We say, Arafahu, he understood it. Right? Uh, right? Wahuwa ya'rif, he understands and he knows. So they say Arafah is called Arafah because Ibrahim knew on this day. Arafah carries the meaning of knowing. On this day, he came to the realization and understanding that this is what I have to do. So, um, Yom Arafah was known as uh, Yom Arafah because uh, Ibrahim salam knew what was expected of him. And then the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah was known as Yom Al-Nahr, or the, the day of sacrifice, because on the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah, Ibrahim salam placed, uh, uh, placed the knife on the, on the neck of his son, Ismail salam right? Uh, in his attempt to be diligent with the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we discussed some matters pertaining to the emotions uh, of this particular effort uh, uh, in, in, in our previous sitting, walillahi alhamd. So this is just, um, you know, some knowledge that's good to know uh, pertaining to these days. And perhaps when we go for hajj, uh, inshallah, we'll be able to appreciate uh, the days in a greater way. So now we have these two views of the scholars. The first uh, group of scholars say that Yawm al-Hajj al-Akbar, which is known as the greatest Hajj day or the best day of the year, this is the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah. The 10th of Dhul-Hijjah. The, the, the companions of Imam al-Shafi'i, rahmatullahi alayhim, they were of the view, and not just them, but others as well, they were of the view that the best day of the, of, of the year is, is Yawm Arafah. Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he goes on to say that the correct view, the correct view is uh, the view of the scholars that say uh, that Yom Al-Hajj Al-Akbar or the best day of the year uh, or the greatest Hajj day is Yom Al-Nahar, which is the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah. This is uh, the correct view uh, as supported by Ibn Al-Qayyim, Rahmatullahi Alayhi. And he, he mentions many uh, evidences for this. The first uh, evidence that he mentions is that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the third ayah, in Surah At-Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَذَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ إِلَى النَّاسِ يَوْمَ الْحَجِّ الْأَكْبَرِ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is, is mentioning, and in, uh, in this ayah is discussing an incident. And that is uh, an announcement from Allah and the Rasul of Allah to the people. And this announcement happened on Yawm al-Hajj al-Akbar. Right, so this announcement happened on Yom Al-Hajj Al-Akbar, and in Sahih Al-Bukhari, and in Sahih Muslim, there's a narration which states that Abu Bakr radiyallahu an and Ali radiyallahu an, they were given the permission to make this announcement, this announcement from Allah and His Rasul, as we see in this ayah, on Yom Al-Nahr. Yom Al-Nahr meaning the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah, right? And in Sunan Abi Dawood, which is one of the Sunan books of Hadith, as we uh, discussed in our, our, our last uh, session, we said we have Sunan At-Tirmidhi, Sunan Abi Dawood, uh, Sunan Ibn Majah, and Sunan uh, Nasai. Right, uh, even though the book of a Tirmidhi uh, is 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 perhaps more preferably known as Al Jami', but it's considered to be from the Sunan books of Hadith, meaning the books of Hadith. But 
um, you know, the, 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 they, they're different from Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim because um, of the nature and authority of the narrations of the Prophet ﷺ found in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. But nonetheless, um, this doesn't mean that we don't have authentic hadiths in the other Sunan books of uh, hadith. Now, in, uh, I've just mentioned to you all um, the, the names of these Sunan books in no particular order. I haven't mentioned them in, in any particular order. In some um, uh, research papers, uh, some researchers uh, prefer to list the order of the Sunan Hadith based on uh, what the scholars of Hadith cite in terms of uh, which book carries the more authentic narration. So some people uh, list the order based on which book is more authentic than the other. Others uh, list the order based on the date of death of uh, the compiler of the book of Hadith. Right, So the one who uh, passed away earlier, he would be mentioned first, and then the one after him, and then the one after him, and then the one after them, uh, after him. And again, um, this is just a footnote, um, given that we are discussing this particular uh, point. So in Sunan Abi Dawood, which is a book of hadith, uh, there's a narration which is uh, authentic, and in it, it says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, يَوْمُ الْحَجِّ الْأَكْبَرُ يَوْمُ النَّحَرُ That... Uh, the day known as Yawm al-Hajj al-Akbar is Yawm al-Nahr, is Yawm al-Nahr, meaning the 10th of the Hijjah. So when we look at uh, these two narrations, then it's clear that Yawm al-Hajj al-Akbar is um, Yawm al-Nahr. And, and, and that would mean that Yawm al-Nahr is the best day uh, in the year of a believer. So, so Allah created the days and He made the best day uh, Yawm Al-Hajj Al-Akbar, which is uh, the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah. Now, the scholars who say uh, that the best day is Yawm Arafah, and, and obviously uh, they, it's not that they don't have evidence, they do have evidence. They say because, you know, the day of Hajj is Arafah, right? Because the Prophet wasallam said, Al-Hajj Arafah, that the, there's nothing about the Hajj except Arafah. Which means, if you miss Arafah, you've missed Hajj. Right, this is basically it. If you miss Arafah, you've actually missed Hajj. And if you, meaning the greatest pillar of Hajj is getting to Arafah. Whoever doesn't get to Arafah has missed the Hajj. Right? So you must cross through Arafah. You must cross through Arafah for your Hajj to be complete. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Hajj Arafah. He made all of Hajj the day of Arafah. So this is one of the evidences that they used to say the best day of the year is, 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 is Arafah. And also they say that the best day of the year is Arafah because uh, the non-pilgrim who fasts on this day, then Allah promises to forgive them a forgiveness of two years. Right? And this is something we know. The reward for fasting the ninth of Dhul-Hijjah is uh, the reward of being forgiven, the forgiveness uh, encompassing two years, right? And also, what teaches us, or you know, in their view, uh, that the best days is, is the day of Arafah, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala frees more people from the hellfire on this day than any other day, right? And it's true, Allah frees, forgives many people and frees them from the hellfire. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the freed, from the hellfire. Ameen, and accept our hajj. Ameen, and take us to hajj. Ameen, ya rabbal alameen. Another reason which they cite uh, is the fact that um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is close to his slaves on this day. 
And another reason is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala boasts about the people of Arafah to his malaika. He boasts about them and their circumstance that they are sweaty and they are dusty and they have come and they are begging with humility Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking from the, the mercies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they say all these factors teach us that the best day of the year is uh, Yawm Arafah. These are the reasons, these are the evidences and reasons that they cite to support their view why Arafah is uh, the best day. Now, obviously we said that the correct opinion and Allah knows best is that it is the 10th of Dhul Hijjah. Why? Because of the two hadith that I shared with you, one in Sahih Al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, and the other one in Sunan Abi Dawood, where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam clearly says that, um, uh, Yom Al-Hajj Al-Akbar is Yom Al-Nahr. Uh, that the, the, the greatest Hajj day is uh, Yom Al-Nahr, is the 10th of Dhul Hijjah. And also, um, Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, and those scholars who hold this view that the 10th is the best day, they say, uh, because we have this hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the hadith is authentic, and nothing contradicts it from other statements of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So it's not that you know we have uh, another statement from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that contradicts this understanding pertaining to the greatest Hajj day, uh, which entail cites for us the greatest day in the year of a believer. They say we have nothing from the other narrations of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam which contradict uh, this particular. A clear statement of his sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And they go on to say, uh, rahimahumullah, that um, this was the view also of several companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, like Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, and other companions as well. And they also go on to say that uh, Yawm al-Nahr has more acts of worship than uh, Yawm Arafah. Right? So they say that um, Yawm al-Nahr has more acts of worship than Yawm Arafah. Why? Because uh, on, on the 10th of Dhul Hijjah, the pilgrim has to uh, pelt uh, the big Jamarah, and then observe the Tawaf, and then sacrifice the animal, right? And then come out of Ihram. Uh, so there's so many acts of worship on the 10th of, of Dhul Hijjah, as opposed to the 9th which denotes a standing on one place. And, and another reason why they say the 10th is, is better than the 9th, is because they say that the 9th is a day of takhliya, and the 10th is a day of tahliya. Right? Can Hisham or somebody write this on the board? Jazakumullah uh, khairan. Takhliya and tahliya. Takhliya um, refers to the purification process, the cleansing process. And tahliya refers to the polishing process or the beautification process, right? So they say the ninth of Dhul Hijjah is the cleansing day and the tenth is the polishing day, is the beautification day. Why do they say this? They say, uh, Rahmatullahi alayhi, may Allah shower His mercy upon them, that on the ninth of Dhul Hijjah, we are, we, Allah forgives our sins and frees us from the hellfire. And forgiveness of sins entails cleansing. Because sins, uh, we could liken it to something dirty and something impure. And something that needs cleaning. And whenever we want to beautify anything, we, we, you know, we don't just take a coat of paint and paint over dirt. First we remove the paint and then 
we paint over the now clean surface. We beautify it further. Right? Uh, and the same applies to, you know, when we, we spill something. We first, you know, let's say there's uh, something which has spilt and it's causing a bad smell. First we clean the spillage. Right? And then we place perfume or, you know, use air freshener or something. But we don't use the air freshener when, the, you know, the element causing uh, the bad smell is still present. Right? So, first you need to purify and cleanse, and then you beautify. So, purification and cleansing happens on the ninth. Right? Allah forgives us. Uh, we beg Allah. Allah gives us. This happens on the ninth. On the tenth, as they say, and as is clear, we have many acts of worship. And every act of worship entails the polishing process. Meaning now we beautify ourselves. We clean from the ninth, and now we beautifying ourselves with salah, beautifying ourselves with tawaf, beautifying ourselves with dhikr, and remembering Allah, right? Once you pelt the jamarah on the tenth, uh, the talbiyah of hajj ends, and uh, the dhikr of Ibrahim alayhi salam, or the takbir begins when you start saying, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. So, they, you know, we have dhikr on this day, which is a beautifying agent. Then we have visiting Masjid al-Haram, which is a beautifying agent. And then we have salah in Masjid al-Haram, because most likely you're going to be in the haram doing the tawaf, and you know, salah time is going to come in. And the salah in Masjid al-Haram is equal to 100,000 salah. And someone asked this question uh, last week, I think it was uh, my dear brother Abdullah, uh, from uh, Colombo, Sri Lanka. I'm not sure if he's here, Abdullah Zahid. Uh, I know it's pretty late in Colombo. Uh, but inshallah, if he listens to the recording, he'll get the answer. Uh, which, you know, meaning, does the 100,000 apply to uh, the prayer in Masjid al-Haram? Or does the 100,000 apply to any salah prayed anywhere in the Haram? Anywhere in the Haram. Uh, this is a, a matter of discussion between the scholars. And the reason being is they've differed with regards to the meaning of Masjid al-Haram. Masjid al-Haram, uh, especially in the hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions the 100,000 rewards. Why? Because uh, the, the, the scholars say, or the, the mufassirun and scholars of tafsir, uh, they say that every time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Masjid al-Haram in the Qur'an, then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to uh, the Haram and, 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 and Mecca. And we know before Mecca was inside of the Haram. It's not like now, uh, Mecca is outside of the Haram. Mecca has expanded. Right? Before, Mecca was inside of the Haram anyway. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about uh, Mecca, uh, and 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 or more specifically the haram when Allah talks about Masjidul Haram, and we know that the haram boundary is far greater than uh, the area surrounding the Kaaba alone, except in one ayah when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ when Allah commanded the believers to face the Kaaba and take the Kaaba as the qibla and not Bayt al-Maqdis. So in this particular in this particular ayah, the scholars of Tafsir agree that in this ayah, Masjid al-Haram refers to uh, refers to the Kaaba. It doesn't refer to anywhere in the Haram. It, re- it refers to specifically the Kaaba. So we see that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has used the term Masjid al-Haram in the Quran 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes refers to, or most of the time refers to the haram. And uh, uh, in other instances, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to the Kaaba, the masjid itself. And this is the, uh, this is the main reason why uh, some scholars hold the view that the 100,000 rewards apply to your salah anyway, anyway in the haram. Anywhere in the haram boundary. This is the view of some scholars. The second view is that no, it's in the masjid, in the masjid, the masjid boundary. And um, the reason for this is because uh, Allah, the hadith says masjid al-haram, right? And masjid al-haram is the masjid. And they say if you, for example, observed your salah uh, in, in Aziziyah, and we all know of Aziziyah now, mashallah, because many hotels are there uh, and many stay there, then nobody feels that they've observed salah in Masjid al-Haram. So, because, uh, you know, the, the norm teaches us where Masjid al-Haram is, the salah of 100,000 applies to there. And perhaps this is the correct view, and Allah knows best. And one of the reasons why perhaps this is the correct view, uh, that, you know, the 100,000 applies to you observing salah in the masjid itself, uh, is because in one of the narrations, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually says Masjid al-Ka'bah. Masjid al-Ka'bah. He doesn't say Masjid al-Haram. He says Masjid al-Ka'bah. And um, the term Masjid al-Ka'bah is far more clearer, no doubt, right? Um, then the generic understandings, one can argue that they understand from the term Masjid al-Haram. So because we have this narration where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says Masjid al-Ka'bah, then uh, this perhaps is uh, the tipping point in terms of the discussion and the correct view. And that's why I said the preferred view, and Allah knows best, is that your 100,000 applies to you when you are praying uh, in uh, the masjid. In the masjid. And this is the view of uh, Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen, rahmatullahi alayhi, from the contemporary uh, scholars. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So, coming back to our original discussion, uh, you know, why the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah will be considered the greater day than Arafah? It's because it's a day of beautification. So you might be observing the tawaf of Hajj in the Haram, and what happens is um, the time for Salah arrives. And because the time for Salah has arrived, now you uh, actually um, observe the Salah, and that Salah is worth 100,000 Salah. So now you have beautified yourself further. And then on the 10th, you have the concept of sacrificing the animal, which is another major uh, act of worship. And, and obviously, the issue is not putting the knife to the neck of the animal. The issue is, is taqwa, right? Uh, the issue is taqwa and, and, and God consciousness and, and being upon the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in His book that it's not about you know the, uh, the, 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 the meat reaching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the blood reaching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the reality of you doing it is, is the taqwa, the sign of God consciousness and your ability to be upon the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala irrespective of how much sense it makes to you or doesn't make to you. You know this is the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you follow. So this is another um, uh, act of worship and another beautifier or beautification agent that uh, allows oneself to be beautified after they were cleansed on the ninth of the Hijjah. So this is uh, a discussion of the scholars, rahmatullahi alayhim, uh, uh, regarding the best day of the year. So um, the, the, the point of focus here is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the days of the year. And He made one day the best of the year. 
according to some scholars, the day of Arafah, and according to other scholars, um, the day known as Yom Al-Nahr. And we've shared uh, a good discussion uh, about this, inshallah. And I pray that it's clear, and, and, and may Allah reward um, the team for uh, making it more accessible on the whiteboard by placing the notes uh, on the whiteboard, alhamdulillah. Another reason why everyone should attend the live session and not rely <laughs> on the recording. So, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates and gives this precedence, and um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the days of the year and gave uh, a precedence to one day out of all the other days and made it the most special day. And like this, my dear brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the days of the year. Right? Uh, and again, I'm saying the days of the year, but I want to have this discussion regarding the days of the year from another angle. Right? And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the days of the year and made the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah the most special of all days. The most special of all days. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book, Wal-Fajr Ashar. Allah takes a qasam by the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not take a qasam uh, by anything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not take a qasam by anything which is not special. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a qasam by uh, the first 10 days of the hijjah Now, uh, a little footnote for everybody here. Are we allowed to take a qasam by the first 10 days of the hijjah Are we allowed to take a qasam by time? Can somebody take an oath, for example, and swear by time? Say, I swear by time I did this, or I swear by time I didn't do this. Can someone do that? Can someone swear, for example, uh, on their mother or their father or their mother's grave or their father's grave or their, on their children? Right? Some people do this. They say, they say I swear on, 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 on so-and-so's life that I didn't do it or I did it. And the answer to that question is no, we can't. As, mashallah, all of you are, are typing very quickly in the box. We can't do that. Right? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَنْ حَلَفَ بِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ فَقَدْ كَفَرَ أَوْ أَشْرَكَ That the one who swears by, uh, by other than Allah, then this person has practiced disbelief uh, or idolatry. Right? So we must be careful, my dear brothers and sisters. We must be careful. Now this doesn't mean that whoever does this, we say you're not a Muslim. No, my dear brothers and sisters, because the discussion and explanation of this hadith is a far more complex one, and this is not the place and time for it. But we must know that a person who uh, takes an oath by other than Allah that has practiced a practice from idolatry and a practice from disbelief. And this doesn't mean that they become a disbeliever or an idolater. I just want to make that clear to everybody. Uh, just quickly, our brothers and sisters in the UK, uh, you may go for Salatul Maghrib, inshallah, but please listen to the recording when, uh, when it's released. And I hope to see you back in class very soon, inshallah ta'ala. Jazakumullah khairan for letting me know. So, um, brothers and sisters, Rasulullah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a qasam by the first 10 days of the hijjah Now, with this, we say that for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's permissible to take a qasam by that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, like the days of the year, like time, and so on and so forth, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator. And our scholars say that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a qasam and takes an oath by time, or by the fig tree, or the olive tree, or Mecca, or the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, right? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking a qasam by Allah. Because Allah is the creator of all this. Right? So it's, 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 it's as if 
it's, it's similar to the statement where we, we would say, I take a qasam. Obviously, we're not supposed to say this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in essence, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a qasam by anything, then it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying a qasam by this and the one who created it, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by time and the one who created it, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by Makkah and the one who created it, and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by the first 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah and the one who created it, and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take a qasam and an oath, by that which he has created. And nobody can use it as evidence to say that we can take a qasam by other than Allah because Allah takes a qasam by time and other things. Right? So inshallah you have the explanation uh, to invite people towards that which is correct because today people don't know. Right? And they end up uh, uttering words uh, which are dangerous words whilst they don't know. And it's our job to invite them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, His Rasul. And this is true, my dear brothers and sisters. We know that, you know, uh, I'm sure you've heard and I've heard many a time. Muslims, Muslims, practicing Muslims even. I'm not just talking about, you know, general Muslims. I'm talking about practicing Muslims who love to listen to lectures, who, you know, uh, love to uh, frequent the masjid, love to learn, so on and so forth. They use that they say touch wood for example touch wood uh, and uh, you know uh, fingers crossed Allahul Musta'an right some people say fingers crossed now it's very clear that they don't know what they're saying because as Muslims if you knew you wouldn't do it now touch wood is not part and parcel of the Sharia and it comes from uh, a practice of people holding a wooden cross for example Right? Seeking protection from bad luck, as they call it. Bad luck. Right? Because obviously the cross is a, is, is, is a religious symbol for the Christians. And touch wood would, would refer to the wooden cross that they would be wearing. That, you know, everything is fine, touch wood. Or let's hope everything goes well. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed refers to uh, the religious symbol of the, crucific- uh, the crucifixion as well. And this is not something for a Muslim to be saying. Right? So it's important that we educate our brothers and sisters with wisdom, with wisdom, and uh, correct this practice and teach them about the importance of saying, Insha'Allah, of saying, MashaAllah, La quwwata illa billah, of, of making dua for barakah in, in matters uh, as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has taught us. Brothers and sisters, uh, I will leave our discussion here uh, and give you a break. Insha'Allah, we will take uh, a break until. Uh, 25 minutes past the hour. It's it's uh, 18 past 9 p.m. where I am. Inshallah, we will resume in six minutes. Bi idnillahi ta'ala. Jazakumullah khairan. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to part two of our session uh, after our break. Just before the break, we were discussing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, created the days of the year and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made special the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah uh, over the rest of the days of the year. And evidence of this is in how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a qasam by uh, these days, uh, as we see in Surah Al-Fajr, ayah number 1 and ayah number 2. And also, uh, that which teaches us how amazing these days are, 
is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, made these days the best days um, in terms of one's worship. That the acts of worship done in these days is better than the acts of worship done outside of uh, these particular days. Uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith narrated by Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, and this hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari, that ma min ayyamin al-amalu salihu fiha ahabbu ila Allahi min hadhi al-ayyam al-ashar. Qalu, wala al-jihadu fi sabidillah. قال ولا الجهاد في سبيل الله إلا رجل خرج بنفسه وماله ثم لم يرجع من ذلك بشيء. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that there is no days other than uh, these ten days that good deeds is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning that, that, you know, the deeds in these days are more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the deeds done outside of these days. Your takbir in these days is the best takbir of the year. Your salah in these days, you know, are considered the best salah of the year. Your charity of these days is the best charity of the year. And so on and so forth. So this is what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. And, and, and you know, uh, to the sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een, they understood, you know, the, the, the concept of striving in the path of Allah. So they said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that, you know, not even striving in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and uh, being diligent in terms of raising the flag of, of, of the religion of Islam and making uh, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the highest word. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, not even that, not even that, right? Except for the one who goes out uh, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to raise the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this person goes with himself and all his wealth and he doesn't come back. Which means he gave everything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and passed away in, uh, and passed away because of this. Right? So, um, this teaches us how amazing these days are. And this also teaches us, brothers and sisters, how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would address, or, you know, what an amazing teacher he was sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That he would address the Sahaba radiallahu anhum uh, ajma'een in a manner uh, that allowed them to understand uh, the greatness of certain acts. This is what he would do, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, he would use uh, examples that were closer to their mind. And in these examples would be elements that they considered as you know, invaluable. Which shows us how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum uh, considered this whole concept of uh, defending Islam for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, this hadith teaches us that uh, the best days of the year are the days of Dhul Hijjah. The best days of the year are these days. And as I said earlier, you know, these days in terms of their, you know, their natural elements, are, you know, they're the same like the, the rest of the days of the year. Right? But Allah has chosen these days. And Allah has given these days a special rank and a special place. So our deeds are most beloved to Allah in these days. These are the best uh, days of the year. And also we find uh, in another narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, فَأَكْثِرُوا فِيهِنَّ مِنَ التَّكْبِيرِ وَالتَّهْلِيلِ وَالتَّحْمِيدِ In this narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that make sure that in these days you increase, you increase uh, the takbir saying Allahu Akbar and uh, the tahmeed saying uh, Alhamdulillah and saying La ilaha illallah and so on and so forth. The different um, uh, adhkar 
that has been taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created uh, the days of the year and made uh, Arafah or Yawm al-Nahr the best day and made uh, the first 10 days of the Hijjah the best day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the months of the year. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the best month the month of Ramadan. He chose the month of Ramadan. And He gave Ramadan a special rank and precedence and status over the rest of the other months. Even though Ramadan may have 29 or 30 days like every other month in terms of the lunar calendar. But Ramadan is the best of all months because Allah chose. And no one had a say in that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Ramadan. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that the best of all months is the month of Ramadan. Sayyid al-Shuhur, Shahar Ramadan. The best of all months is the month of Ramadan. And uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made, uh, created the months of the year and made Ramadan the most special month, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the nights of the year. The nights of the year. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the last ten nights of the month of Ramadan. The last ten of Ramadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this ten from the best ten. Uh, and made uh, uh, these ten nights the best ten nights out of all the nights of the year. And uh, the reason is these ten nights have been specifically highlighted. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us to search for Laylatul Qadr during these nights. And one of these nights uh, entails the greatest night of the year, Laylatul Qadr. The greatest night of the year, Laylatul Qadr. And uh, with this we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates the nights. And He gives a special precedence and special rank to one night over the other nights, and that is the night of power, Laylatul Qadr, Laylatul Qadri Khayrun Min Al Fishahar, a night in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says one, one's worship in it is better, not equal to, but better than uh, a thousand months. Now, um, the scholars have this discussion that, you know, if, we, if somebody asks, right, that which of the two tens is better? Which of the two tens is better? Is the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah better than the last 10 of Ramadan? What should our answer be? And uh, the answer to that question is right in the middle. It's not that the, the, the 10 of uh, Dhul Hijjah uh, are better than the last 10 of Ramadan or the last 10 is better than the last 10 of Ramadan is better than the first 10 of Dhul Hijjah. The answer is right in the middle. And that is that the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah are the best days. And the last 10 nights of Ramadan are the best nights. The first 10 days of the Hijjah are the best because they house the best day of the year. Yawm al-Hajj al-Akbar, as we've discussed. And the last 10 nights of Ramadan are better because they house the best night of the year, which is Laylatul Qadr. Which is Laylatul Qadr. So uh, this is um, a, a, a footnote for each and every one of us to take note of, especially given that we discussing uh, what is best uh, with regards to uh, the rest. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala creates the nights of the year, and He chooses uh, the last ten nights of Ramadan to be the best nights. And from the last ten nights of Ramadan, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala chooses uh, Laylatul Qadr to be the best night. Now. Um, once it was asked that is Laylatul Isra not from the best nights of the year? Or can we say Laylatul Isra is better than Laylatul Qadr? And Laylatul, is, you know, Laylatul Isra refers to Isra and Mi'raj. Isra and Mi'raj. Uh, Isra refers to the travel by night, 
which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did from Masjidul Haram um, to Masjid Al-Aqsa, right, in, 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 in Jerusalem. Masjid al-Haram in Mecca, although the scholars of tafsir have differed as to the exact place that Rasulullah ﷺ was taken from. And this is one of the reasons why the scholars say Masjid al-Haram in the 15th juz refers to the Haram. Because they say that Rasulullah ﷺ was in the house of Umm Hani'. Um Hani, he was in her house, and this is where his journey uh, took place from. While some other scholars say that uh, it was from next to the Kaaba or inside of the Hijr of Ismail alayhi salam. We know we know the little Hijr, the semicircle uh, that is in front of the Kaaba today, uh, which is part of the Kaaba. So uh, this is um, uh, views of the scholars of Tafsir pertaining to where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam began his journey. In any case, Isra. Isra in the Arabic language refers to travel by night. And it refers to the travel of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Masjid al-Haram ila Masjid al-Aqsa to Masjid al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. And then we have the, the Mi'raj which is the ascension. And that is the ascension from Jerusalem to the heavens. Right? Which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was blessed to do with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, uh, the scholars were asked, which, you know, which is better, Laylatul Isra or Laylatul Qadr? Or can it be said that Laylatul Isra is better than uh, Laylatul Qadr? And Ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullahi alayhi, uh, he answered this particular question and, and, and he says that, you know, if, if, if a person is saying that the night of Isra is better in terms of ibadah, then Laylatul Qadr, then this is false and incorrect, and we do not have any authoritative evidence to prove this, especially since with regards to when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did this journey to the heavens, we have uh, no clear evidence as to the exact day or the exact date or the exact 10 days uh, or the exact month that this particular journey took place in. So it's false and incorrect for somebody to say that you know, in terms of ibadah and worship, uh, Laylatul Isra should be given uh, a certain importance. Which means that we shouldn't be doing any extra acts of worship on uh, the night of Isra and Mi'raj. Especially since as Ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullahi alayhi highlights in his answer, uh, he says that we do not have any clear authoritative evidence as to which month this journey happened in, as to which ten days it happened in, as to which night it happened in. Uh, and in retrospect, with regards to Laylatul Qadr, we have more information. We know that it's in the month of Ramadan. We know that it's in the last ten nights of Ramadan. Right? Um, and in some narrations, we should search for it during the last ten. Some narrations during the last seven. Some narrations during the odd nights. Some narrations, you know, uh, focusing on the 27th night. So we have more authoritative uh, narrations and evidences pertaining to Laylatul Qadr than we have to Laylatul Isra. So if somebody says Laylatul Isra is better for worship than Laylatul Qadr, uh, then this is false and incorrect. However, if they say that uh, Laylatul Isra is better than Laylatul Qadr given the gifts that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa received on this journey um, then this might have 
you know, weight and understanding on condition that we have evidence from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to say that the gifts of this night were better than the gifts of Laylatul Qadr. And let's not forget that, forget that Laylatul Qadr has, has the gift of the Qur'an being revealed uh, in, uh, during this particular night. and has the gift of it being better than a thousand months in terms of worship. Uh, and the gift of Allah freeing many from the hellfire and so on and so forth. So Ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullahi alayhi, he says that if a person said, in t- you know, if, if a person said that it could be better in terms of the gifts, then this could have some weight on condition we have evidence. And the reality is we don't have evidence. So we shouldn't even delve into that statement that is it possible for Laylatul Isra to be better? Right, uh, and also, brothers and sisters, in these matters, in these matters which are considered matters of the unseen, we shouldn't try and and and, and delve into the how. We shouldn't delve into the how. Right, the how, if it's important, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will tell us. Right, uh, and um, you know, we shouldn't also delve into trying to uh, discuss matters in too much detail pertaining to that of the unseen, because it's impossible for our minds to fathom. That which is correct from that which is incorrect. This requires revelation. And if the hard fact is that we don't have ever a revelation, this is where we stop. Right? This is where we stop. Like with Jannah. In Jannah, the evidences and revelation teach us that it is better than ev- anything we've ever seen. But can someone now go ahead and describe uh, Jannah? Right? No. We cannot describe it from our minds. We can, we can describe it verbally based on how revelation has described it. But can we add and subtract? Absolutely not. We can't do that. Right? Because, uh, brothers and sisters, it's from the unseen. And our minds are only developed based on a lot of external factors. And from those factors is that which you and I see. Right? When you and I see something, we have a better understanding for it. So if we haven't seen uh, Jannah and we haven't seen uh, the unseen, then how is it possible that we have intellectual ability to discuss the realities of these things? Indeed we don't, and all we have to hold steadfast on to is, um, is, is revelation. And revelation hasn't told us about the weight of the gifts of Laylatul Qadr uh, or Laylatul Isra as opposed to the gifts of Laylatul Qadr. So uh, this is um, just something for you to take note of, uh, my dear brothers uh, and sisters. Then, brothers and sisters, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created all these different time spans and given a precedence to all different time spans over other time spans, a person can ask that we've just discussed the day of Arafah, and we've just discussed the days of the year. What about the day of Jumu'ah? And in answer to that question, my dear brothers and sisters, we say that just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the days of the week, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the day of Jumu'ah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has raised the day of Jumu'ah above the rest of the days of the week. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the day of Jumu'ah the best day upon which the sun rises. In the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu in Sahih Muslim, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, أَفْضَلُ يَوْمٍ طَلَعَتْ عَلَيْهِ الشَّمْسِ يَوْمَ الْجُمُعَةِ فِيهِ خُلِقَ آدَمْ وَفِيهِ أُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةِ وَفِيهِ أُخْرِجَ مِنْهَا وَلَا تَقُومُ السَّاعَةِ that the best day upon which the sun rises is the day of Jumu'ah. On this day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Uh, apologies for that brief uh, disconnect, my dear brothers and sisters. 
that disconnect is from the wonders of technology, alhamdulillah. So brothers and sisters, as we were saying uh, before that brief interruption, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, made the day of Jumu'ah uh, the best day of the year. And I'm going to repeat the hadith, uh, hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu an. And in this hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have said, أَفْضَلُ يَوْمٍ طَلَعَتْ عَلَيْهِ الشَّمْسِ يَوْمَ الْجُمُعَةِ فِيهِ خُلِقَ آدَمْ وَفِيهِ أُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةِ وَفِيهِ أُخْرِجَ مِنْهَا وَلَا تَقُومُ السَّاعَةِ إِلَّا فِي يَوْمِ الْجُمُعَةِ That the best day upon which the sun rises is the day of Jumu'ah. On this day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salam. And on this day, Allah entered him into Jannah. And on this day, Allah removed him from Jannah. And the coming of the hour will not happen except on the day of Jumu'ah. So, uh, we learn from this hadith that the day of Jumu'ah is the best day upon which uh, the sun rises. And this is clear in that the day of Jumu'ah is indeed uh, the best day of the year. The best day of the year. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us many, many more uh, Jumu'ahs to witness and uh, many, many more Fridays for us to take heed of and, and, and um, benefit from and build our Jannah. Uh, through, because indeed uh, the day of Jumu'ah has uh, special blessings. We know on the day of Jumu'ah there's an hour, and in this hour, if a slave asks, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer their dua. We know that this uh, day of Jumu'ah has a gathering, and it's a day of unity, uh, a special gathering, which has the salah that cannot be uh, observed except in congregation, which is known as the Jumu'ah salah. And um, this day of Jumu'ah is known as the day of Eid in the week of a believer. Right? Uh, as taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So it's the most special day in the week. Even though it has the same hours as Thursday, the same hours as Wednesday, the same hours as Saturday. Even though, you know, you might be in a particular country experiencing a certain season of the year. Let's say it's winter and Thursday was cold and Friday was cold. Right? You need to wear a jersey the day before, a jersey the day after and a jersey on the day of Jumu'ah. Irrespective of this, even though the elements are the same, Allah has chosen Jumu'ah. Allah has raised it in rank. Why? Because Allah did so. And nobody had a say in the matter. Remember, we are still progressing our discussion of the ayah. Uh, that Allah creates what He wants and He gives an honor and rank to parts of His creation over others. And nobody has a say in the matter. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Jumu'ah the day of Eid in the, believer, in the week of a believer. And that's why we see uh, from the practices of the Prophet wasallam, we see similar practices of Eid happening on Jumu'ah as well, like the bathing, like attending the congregational salah, like uh, for example wearing our best clothes and perfuming ourselves, right? Many of the practices of the day of Eid we find in, in terms of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam pertaining to Jumu'ah Right? Because Jumu'ah is the day of Eid in the week of a believer. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes Jumu'ah the best day in the week. Now, if somebody asked which is more special, the day of Jumu'ah or Arafah, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah mentions this in, in Zad al-Ma'ad. Right? If somebody asks which is better, Jumu'ah or Arafah? Because, you know, obviously we've, we, we, we took a discussion talking about the, 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 the important elements of the day of Arafah and how some scholars consider Arafah the best day of the year. So, which is better, Jumu'ah or Arafah? So some scholars say Jumu'ah is the best day of the year. And some scholars say Arafah is the best day of the year. So there's two views. But there is a third view which is a middle view. And that view is, as I have explained to you, Jumu'ah is the best day of the week. Whilst the best day of the year is either the day of Arafah or the day of Nahr. 
uh, as per the discussion of the scholars that we discussed. And this is uh, a middle view and the correct way of looking at this because doing so this way allows us to work with all the evidences pertaining to the days of the year rather than you know working with some evidences and leaving other evidences which also uh, are authoritative in nature. We have the ability to join between all the evidences and as is a function of uh, jurisprudence methodology or usul al-fiqh, then this would be the preferred way of the scholars to work with all the evidences, either uh, other or, or rather than, excuse me for that, rather than working with some evidences over the other. So Jumu'ah is the best day of the week, whilst Yawm al-Nahr or Arafah is the best day of the year. But brothers and sisters, what happens if the day of Jumu'ah and Arafah happen to combine? Is this possible brothers and sisters where Jumu'ah and Arafah happen to combine? MashaAllah, tabarakallah. Yes, this is very possible. And I want you to listen to this discussion because this discussion offers us evidence as to why we can say Jumu'ah is its own category and the day of Arafah is its own category. Because the reality is, when these two days come together, we find the day having an even greater status. It's not that one day consumes the other. Rather, Jumu'ah comes with its special blessings, and Arafah comes with its special blessings, and the day itself becomes even better. This is what the scholars have said. And the fact that we have an even greater day teaches us that Jumu'ah is the best day of the week, and Arafah is a very special day in the year, and as I said, according to some scholars, the best day uh, of the year. Right? If we said that one was better than the other, then we wouldn't have any extra special blessings if the two days came together. But if we say that they all have specialities based on their own categories, uh, then we can say when we bring them together, the day becomes even greater. Right? So Arafah becomes a greater day than it would have been if it was on a Thursday. Right? And Jumu'ah becomes an even, even greater day if the day of Jumu'ah had been other than the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah. So basically we're saying Jumu'ah is special. But if it happens to occur on the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah, it's an even more special day. And we say Arafah is special. But if it happens to happen on a Jumu'ah, then it is an even more special day. And this teaches us that both days are special in their own categories and in their own brackets. And yes, to uh, those who are asking, um, the day of uh, Arafah last year was on uh, the day of Jumu'ah. Uh, Abdul Mateen, Yusuf, Barakallahu Fiq, I've seen your comment. Uh, and the reality is, you entered class late, my dear brother. So you missed the initial part of the discussion uh, where we, we discussed this. So uh, please work on being more punk- uh, punctual, Akhil Karim. Barakallahu Fiq. So brothers and sisters, now that we've, we, we, we have uh, the possibility of Jumu'ah and um, uh, you know, the day of Arafah coming together, and not just the possibility, it's a reality. And has it happened? Yes, it's happened. And we've discussed that we have these greater blessings. Then let's look, let's look at, at, at how these greater blessings come about. Well, our scholars, rahmatullahi alayhim, say that we have Jumu'ah, which has an hour in which dua is not left unanswered. And the people of Arafah are on Arafah on a day where also their sins are forgiven and their prayers are unanswered. Uh, their prayers do not go unanswered, meaning their prayers are answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now imagine a pilgrim on Arafah begging from Allah, and that day of Arafah is on a Friday. 
And he begs from Allah during the last hour on Friday. Because according to the correct view, and Allah knows best, the special hour on the day of Jumu'ah, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never lets our du'as go unanswered, is the last hour on the day. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But this is the preferred view. Is the last hour on the day of Jumu'ah. So imagine the pilgrim now, on Arafah, begging from Allah, on a day which is so special for du'a, on a day which is so special for forgiveness. Uh, then enters the last hour on the day, and it's a Friday, and he continues asking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine how more special that du'a is, right? Given that the day of Arafah and Jumu'ah have combined. Also brothers and sisters, um, on Friday and on Arafah, Right? On Friday and on Arafah and the day of Arafah, did we find Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam observing his Arafah? Allahu Akbar. Right? So the day of Arafah for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was also on a Friday. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses the best for his messenger. Right, which teaches us how the combined nature of these two days becomes uh, something even more special and even more amazing. Another element for us to take note of is that on Arafah, we have a specific khutbah. And on Friday, we have the general khutbah. The general khutbah happens to the masses of the Muslims as they attend the Jumu'ah prayer. And the, the specific khutbah on Arafah happens to the millions of pilgrims that have gathered there for Hajj. And these khutbahs happen at the same time of the day, meaning around the Zuhr period, or after uh, the sun passes its zenith, or after midday. Right? So this is another factor. We have two amazing khutbahs happening uh, on this day, when Arafah meets, or the day of Arafah meets Jumu'ah. Also, uh, on this day, we have a general congregation of the Muslims happen at midday. As well as the specific congregation of Muslims happen on Arafah. Because at midday, the Muslims gather together to observe Salatul Jumu'ah, which can only happen if we are in a congregation. Right? We cannot uh, observe Jumu'ah by ourselves in our home or in our office. We have to be in congregation. This is from uh, the, 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 the pillars of Salatul Jumu'ah being correct. Right? This is from the, the, the pillars of Salatul Jumu'ah uh, being uh, correct. Uh, Sister Shazia is asking for clarification. The last hour of a day is just before Maghrib. Yes, sister, the last hour of a day uh, is just before Maghrib. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. So, we have the Muslims gathering in congregation for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to observe a great salah. And that salah is known as Salatul Jumu'ah. So we have a general congregation on this Friday. And because this Friday has met Arafah, we have a specific congregation. And that is the congregation of the Muslims on the plains of Arafah. On this great special day. Right? So this is another element that teaches us how special um, the situation becomes when Jumu'ah meets uh, Arafah. Then also brothers and sisters, as we said earlier, Jumu'ah is the day of Eid in our week. Jumu'ah is the day of Eid in our week. And Arafah is said to be the day of Eid for the people there. For the people there. And that is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he uh, drank on the day of Arafah, which gave the scholars uh, evidence to say that it's disliked for the one to fast on uh, the day of Arafah. Because uh, on the day of Eid, or it's not from the practices of the day of Eid that a person fasts. 
right? So it's not from the practices of the day of Eid that a person uh, goes ahead and uh, fasts. So um, the day of Arafah is a day of Eid for the pilgrims standing there, given the mighty blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers upon them. And the day of Jumu'ah is a day of Eid for uh, those who are not observing the Hajj. Now, um, just with regards to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam drinking um, on the plains of Arafah and not fasting, uh, the scholars have tried to extract uh, a wisdom as to why he did this. Some of the scholars, rahmatullahi alayhim, say that he did this uh, to, you know, advise us against fasting so that we can have the energies and the strength and the focus to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask from Allah uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some other scholars uh, said, uh, and this is the view of Ibn Taymiyyah and others, rahmatullahi alayhim, that the wisdom that, you know, behind Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam not fasting is this particular fact that we are uh, speaking about right now. This fact that, that teaches us that the day of Arafah is the day of Eid for the people of Hajj. And um, they further cite uh, a hadith in the Sunan books of ha- Hadith, in the Sunan books of Hadith, in which uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have said, Yawmu Arafah wa Yawmu Nahr wa Ayyam Mina Eeduna Ahl al-Islam. That the day of Arafah and the day of Nahr, meaning the 10th of Dhul Hijjah, and the days of Mina, meaning the days of Tashriq, the 11th and the 12th and the 13th uh, are days of Eid for the for, for the for the for the people of Islam, for the people of uh, Islam. So they say that the, the wisdom behind Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam drinking on the day of Arafah uh, is to teach us that um, it's from the days of Eid and fasting is not from the characteristics of that particular day, meaning uh, the day of Eid. So. Um, this is another uh, reason that teaches us uh, about how special uh, the day becomes when Friday meets uh, Arafah. Also from the reasons that teach us how special uh, the day becomes when Friday meets Arafah is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, completed this religion for us and completed His favor upon us and chose Islam as our religion because this ayah was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Right, so this is uh, the translation, or I, I shared with you the translation earlier uh, of this particular ayah, and this ayah is in Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah number 3. And with regards to this particular ayah, one of the Jews came to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu and said, and said that um, there's an ayah that you all recite, in your revelation, in your book, right? If this ayah was given to us, the Jews, right? Um, we would have taken that day as a day of Eid. We would have taken that day as a day of Eid. So Umar said, which ayah are you talking about? And this person recited uh, ayah number three from Surah Al-Ma'idah. So Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anh said, uh, indeed I know the day that this ayah um, was revealed in, and the place that it was revealed in, نزلت على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بعرفة يوم جمعة ونحن واقفون معه بعرفة الله أكبر. He says Umar ibn Khattab رضي الله عنه that this particular ayah was revealed to Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم when he was on the plains of Arafah on the day of Jumu'ah and, and, and we were standing with him. So this hadith also gives us the benefit uh, of being evidence to the fact that Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم 
when he observed his Hajj, the day of Arafah, was on a Friday. Another reason, uh, brothers and sisters, that makes uh, the day when Arafah meets Jumu'ah even special is the fact that um, uh, it will be the day that the uh, uh, Qiyamah, um, or it, 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 it brings together the day in which Qiyamah will happen and a reality from the realities of Qiyamah. Right? So, in the hadith that I recited to you earlier, the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu in Sahih Muslim, right? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, the happening of the hour will not happen except on a Friday. And we know that from the fundamental aspects of Qiyamah is the mighty gathering of all the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on Arafah, we have a mighty gathering of the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the plains of Arafah. So this gives a greater precedence and rank to the day when Jumu'ah meets Arafah. Right? Because we have this great gathering, which is you know, a sign from the signs of Qiyamah. And we have the day in which Qiyamah will happen. Right? The coming of the hour will happen. Which is... Uh, Friday, and that's why the scholars uh, they 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 uh, refer to um, you know this whole concept of of Jumu'ah coming together with Arafah as the concept of al Mabda wal Ma'ad that we have, or, or even the day of Jumu'ah by itself. By the way, it's known as the day of al Mabda wal Ma'ad, the beginning and the end. Why? Because on Friday Adam alayhi salam was created and that was our beginning. And on Friday the day of Qiyamah will happen and the day of Qiyamah marks the end. The, the uh, you know the the uh, the day of Qiyamah marks the end of the life of this world. So the day of Jum'ah really is a day for us to remember the hereafter and many of us don't uh, take this into consideration. Right? Many of us, uh, we, we obviously, it's because we, we haven't learnt. And inshallah, now that we've learnt, you know, we won't experience any other Jumu'ah uh, the same. Inshallah. You know, we'll apply ourselves better. Because on this day, we remember our beginning with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creating Adam alayhi salam. Fihi khuliqa Adam. On this day, Adam was created. Right? And then, وَلَا تَقُومُ السَّاعَةَ إِلَّا فِي يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ That the coming of the hour will not happen except on the day of Jumu'ah. So really, it's a day of the beginning and the end. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the people of Jannah when the coming of the hour happens. Ameen. Also brothers and sisters, um, one of the reasons that makes uh, the day when Jumu'ah meets Arafah even more special is that Jumu'ah really, in terms of the week of the Muslims, it's probably the day that people are more righteous and less sinful. You know, even those who are accustomed towards doing sin, you find them on the day of Jumu'ah, they act, they're better people. They control themselves better. They manage themselves better uh, against sinning. Right? This happens. Right? And it starts from the night of Jumu'ah. Right? It starts from the night of, of, of Jumu'ah. Even though the correct opinion is that Surah Al-Kahf should be recited in the day of Jumu'ah, not the night of Jumu'ah. Um, in terms of earning the blessings of Surah Al-Kahf, uh, then the correct opinion is that these blessings apply when Surah Al-Kahf is read on Friday morning, not the night of Friday. Uh, because the uh, hadith stipulate the day. Stipulate the day. You know, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, whoever reads Surah Al-Kahf in the day of Jumu'ah, and most of the narrations mention day. There is one narration which mentions night, uh, but the scholars say that uh, the correct opinion is day, and the fact that the narrator said night in that particular hadith is a mistake is a mistake. And, and, and we understand that it's a mistake because uh, most of the narrations say uh, day. 
most of the narrations say uh, day. And this is a discussion specific to a science known uh, or a subject known as, as, as the science or principles of hadith study. And uh, I think I shared with you a little insight into that particular science uh, in previous lessons. So, um, Coming back to the discussion, you know, what makes Arafah better when it means Jum'ah is the fact that Jum'ah by default is, in most cases, is a day that even Muslims who are accustomed to sin generally, they, they become better people. Right? Because they realize the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the honor of this day. And they, they tend to apply themselves better. Don't forget we have Jumu'ah, and Jumu'ah is, is, is a great act of ibadah. And then we have the hour in which Allah forgives and answers our dua. And that, that you know, dua is a, is a great uh, ibadah as well. This is another reason. Another reason, brothers and sisters, that the scholars teach us why, you know, uh, the day of Jumu'ah is special, and when it, when it meets Arafah, it's even more special, is the fact that uh, on a Friday, the people of Jannah will receive even more blessings from Allah. And they will uh, see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as they will be gathered as a place uh, in Jannah known as as Afyah. As uh, Afyah or Wadi Afyah. Right? Uh, this is a place in Jannah that the people of Jannah will be gathered and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will increase for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, in- will shower upon them extra pearls and extra treasures and extra blessings. And uh, they will also see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as is established in the sunnah of Rasulullah uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, um, and this is a, a prize for the people of Jannah. And when will this prize happen? Well, in the state, in the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, we see uh, this prize being a prize from the prizes of of the day of Jumu'ah. So, brothers and sisters, I mean, look, uh, we can go on and on about this, but, um, you know, mashallah, tabarakallah, this is how rich our Sharia is, especially the knowledge of the Sharia and the evidences that we have and the knowledge uh, that the Sharia has, has possessed and kept. Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. Um, and, you know, I think that which has been shared thus far, I think I've shared with you seven or even eight points um, explaining how amazing Jum'ah is and how amazing uh, it would, uh, or, or the day would become if it meets Arafah and vice versa, how amazing Arafah uh, would become uh, if it meets um, Jumu'ah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best. There's a few questions here. Um, Sister Shazia is saying, so Shaykh, if we recite Surah Kahf between Salatul Asr, uh, or Salatul Jumu'ah and Asr, is it fine? Yes, that is fine. Um, no, you can recite it after Salatul Jumu'ah uh, as well. Uh, another question uh, says, um, the place in Jannah is called, the place in Jannah is called Afyah. Uh, if you want to transcribe it or transliterate it, perhaps write A F Y A H. Afyah or Wadi Afyah, the Valley of Afyah. Somebody is asking, can we fast uh, third, the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth? Uh, I presume you're asking me, brother Tariq, in, in if if you can fast these days, if these days fall on a Friday, right? If these days fall on a Friday, and and, and the scholars have uh, views about this. Wallahu a'lam, the correct view is that yes, you can. Because the prohibition of fasting Friday uh, is uh, specific to a person who fasts Friday because it's Friday. And if you're fasting because it's the, you know, the middle three days of the month, then you're not fasting because it's Friday. You're fasting for another uh, reason which uh, has 
authoritative evidence in the Sharia to mandate it. So we would say it's fine to fast Friday. Just as if you fasted Friday to do a qada, uh, or for example, if Friday was from the days of Ashura, uh, you know, or if you were fasting Friday because it's from the six fasts of Shawwal, uh, then in these circumstances it's fine according to the preferred view and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best. Uh, best. Inshallah, brothers and sisters, with this, um, we will bring our discussion surrounding the introduction, the introduction uh, to what uh, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi has written, or the summarized introduction uh, that we find in the summarized version of pres- uh, 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 preservations for uh, the hereafter. Uh, our, in terms of that particular, or provisions, sorry, provisions for uh, the hereafter. So, in terms of the introduction that we have in the summarized version for this book, Provisions for the Hereafter, then inshallah we will uh, stop over here and inshallah now dive into um, the next or the first portion after uh, Ibn al Qayyim's introduction or summarized uh, introduction. And inshallah, what we'll do is uh, we'll take this particular portion in our next. Uh, sitting bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. We'll take this in our uh, next sitting. Inshallah, I know how late it is for some given uh, today's program. Inshallah, our program will uh, resume uh, on Saturdays. Um, as I said, this week Saturday I am not available, thus we had the session today. Um, but inshallah, from the following week it will be on a Saturday again. And inshallah, uh, the Zat al Ma'ad team will be writing in to you all. Brothers and sisters, please, as I um, I advised you all last week, please check your mailboxes or your spam mail or perhaps your junk mail just in case the invites to the Zad al-Ma'ad forums hasn't reached you. And uh, just uh, click on the link so you can um, send uh, a request to the group. Uh, and then inshallah the admin will add you to the group. Again, that group is there for you to you know, discuss certain points from the lessons and dot the I's and cross the T's in terms of things that you uh, missed or perhaps uh, did not understand too well, uh, please use the forums. It's an amazing tool, uh, especially in distant or distance learning. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you all. Let me just check if a Brother Hisham has any other comments. Khair, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. So brothers and sisters, what we'll do is I'll, I'll close the session here. And inshallah, when we uh, resume, we'll take the first chapter after the introduction. Uh, Jazakumullahu khairan. Uh, brothers and sisters, I love you all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And um, uh, really am honored with the patience that you have shown to attend today's class. I, I wasn't expecting this many numbers, especially as I said earlier, given uh, you know the east eastern part of the globe and how uh, late it is there. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this from you all, accept this from us all and make it heavy on our scales in the day, on the day of Qiyamah Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen uh, everything correct said my dear brothers and sisters is from Allah and He is perfect and any mistakes are from myself and Shaytan and I seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness, subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in